I can tell this organization is committed to winning. The Broncos, they do have incredible fans that love this team, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Another takeaway for this Denver defense, and 58 is right in the middle of all of it. Wow! Touchdown, Denver! Unbelievable! Oh my goodness, what a play! Mile High Magic on your airwaves. What is going on, everyone? Hello. Thank you so much for clicking on the podcast alongside my partner, Nikki Javala. I am Michael Spencer. Glad to have you with us as we welcome in April. We are still quarantined, which doesn't have uh, much to do with us because we do the show remotely as it is. Nikki's at her place. I'm at mine. Our producer, Danielle, out in California, and we're ready to bring you another great episode of Mile High Magic. Nikki, the uh, big news this week around Broncos country has been all the talk about Philip Lindsay. And of course, the Broncos go out, they sign Melvin Gordon to a nice free agent contract. And then the question becomes okay, well, what are you going to do about taking care of your own guy and Philip Lindsay? You had a great article uh, on The Athletic about all of this and kind of how it has all gone down and where the Broncos might go from here. Uh, what did you make of, of what you heard from John Elway and what you heard from Philip? agent when you spoke to him uh, as well well I mean obviously Phillips camp is hopeful that they'll revise his contract enough just to increase his pay slightly I mean as an undrafted free agent he's his salary I think is 750 grand um and then when you add on like the performance bonuses each year that you know quickly rises to close to a million a year if not over but it still pales in comparison to what Melvin Gordon is set to make I mean an average annual value, he's going to make $8 million a year. I think that's the sixth highest of any back in the league. Um, so there's a huge discrepancy there. And yes, that's what happens when you're undrafted. There are many other similar situations. Um, but the Broncos, and maybe they're regretting this at this point, they kind of opened the door to possibly revising it at the end of the season. Maybe they shouldn't have said anything publicly to even entertain the idea and there wouldn't be all this, uh, you know, craziness over it but you know obviously Lindsay, like anybody would be in that position was a little taken aback by the signing of melvin gordon because they they had a good back in him he's rushed for over a thousand yards in each of his first two seasons um he's you know a pro bowler as a rookie i mean i i the thinking is from the broncos is that they want this so-called bell cow back you know a, a three down back who can you know they can rely on to carry the load and they could turn to Lindsay. Um, more in situational downs and kind of keep them fresh, which, you know, sounds great on paper, but then you go through Pat Shermer's offenses and, you know, granted he hasn't had two backs at the same time that are the caliber of Phillip and Melvin Gordon, but his offenses have relied almost entirely on one back. I mean, you look at, you know, what he did with the Rams, the Browns, um, you know, in the, in the last two years in New York, obviously with Saquon Barkley, the number two back doesn't get much at all. Um, now, again, you know, that number two would pale in comparison to Lindsay or Gordon, but it is kind of telling of, you know, how are they going to split the reps here? And what is the plan for Lindsay going forward? Hindsight's obviously twenty twenty, but I think it is really interesting how John Elway kind of walked this back after what he said the day after the season ended in his press conference when he was asked about, will you try and get a long-term deal done with Philip Lindsay? And he was, I mean... It, pouring on the praise about how great Philip mm -hmm. has been about how he's everything you want, blah, blah, blah. And, and then all of a sudden he comes out 
earlier this week and is like, well, it's not a guarantee that we'll get something done. Obviously, we're talking about it. And the Broncos, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a double edged sword, right? Because you're getting a <laughs> you're getting a beautiful, beautiful end of the bargain here in terms of what you're paying Philip Lindsay and what you're getting from Philip Lindsay on the football field. But at the same time, you you want to look good and, and kind of take care of your guy. And Nikki, I don't know if you know this, Philip Lindsay's from Colorado. You might have heard that. Stop. Really? <laughs> Since when? So, so how much of that do you think like is is in play here and maybe in the back of their minds? Because I've had people tell me, just random fans, hey, look, why don't they just do the right thing and give Philip the money because of the PR aspect of it, right? And I don't think John Elway's sitting there yeah. worried about what people are thinking outside the building. I think if he had done that. I think if any general manager had been doing that, they would just be setting themselves up for a world of hurt. But I do, I do think that there is a, a PR issue here. If you don't take care of Philip Lindsay, I think fans will be upset. And the Broncos are lucky that Philip has been so good about this too. I think the PR issue is more of how their current players and other players would react more so than the fans. I don't think they care what the fans think in terms of, um, you know, he's the hometown kid and you got to take care of him that way. I honestly don't think they care about that. Um, And there's always that comparison to Chris Harris. Well, they gave Chris a raise. That was more of like, I mean, Chris was kind of throwing a fit over his pay and rightfully so. Um, but that was a different situation. And that was eight years into Chris's career. Um, so this is this is kind of this is odd. I mean, they don't have to do anything. They don't. I mean, he's under contract another year. He'll be a restricted free agent next year. You know, he'll probably get, you know, a second round tender worth three and a half million. And then he's free to choose. Um the question still is like, what message does this send to your current guys? Like if a a rookie pro bowler who is like toppled every odds placed in front of them um, twice, you know, recorded a thousand rushing yards. He's I mean, he's a fan favorite. If he can't get more money, who does? Mm. And if the Broncos aren't willing to pay him, who are they willing to pay? So you could really upset the locker room there. You could create tension on the offense with Phillip and Melvin Gordon. And you're kind of sending a message to other free agents. Like, we don't, you know, we don't really take care of our guys. If you come here, you play on your contract and see ya. So I think that's more the risk than anything. And it's eerily similar to the message that John Elway sent last offseason when he was asked about Chris Harris Jr. prior to the draft and whether or not they were going to reach an agreement. He said something to the effect of Chris is under contract. You know what I mean? And like uh, there was obviously more tension there between those two sides than there is with Philip and his side right now. But this is kind of trending in that direction of, hey, look, we paid you what you agreed to this deal too, right? Like you signed up for this. Now you're yeah. going to, you're going to play yeah. it out. And so um, I, I think it's really interesting how they're going to navigate that because of all of those different aspects. And I, I wonder too, Nikki, like, what does it say? The, the other part of it is that the running back issue and running backs longevity in their careers and Philip mm-hmm. being a smaller back, you do worry about that, right? And so do the Broncos shoot themselves in the foot if they do agree to a deal and then something happens. And and, and right. obviously you don't wish that on anybody, but I think that's a reality that the Broncos 
have to concern themselves with and have to at least consider here. And also, the Broncos have been not very good at drafting running backs over the past couple of years. You know, <laughs> you don't say. Like everybody, yeah. no, I, everybody looks at John Elway and is like, "Why can't this guy draft quarterbacks?" I'm looking at running backs and being like, "Why can't he figure out who? Who? Why can't he find a good running back in the draft that's going to last?" I mean, yeah. you spent a third round pick on Royce Freeman in 2018. He had a thousand yards in his rookie season, but then has been on a steep decline ever since then. You had David Williams in the seventh round when you could have had Philip Lindsay. You have D'Angelo mm-hmm. Henderson in the sixth round who's gone. You have Devontae Booker in the fourth round of 2016 who's now gone. So I I think that there's a bigger issue here. And in terms of playing time, I think this signing of Melvin Gordon essentially shuts the door on Royce Freeman. Oh, uh, yeah. He's – yeah. I mean, if I were – he's the one that should be demanding a trade right now. I don't know how, if he has any value, but – He's the one that, you know, really got shafted in this whole ordeal. But, you know, as, as, as far as from each side, I mean, the Broncos, I agree. I don't think they should give him a long-term deal right now. They should. I mean, look at the running back market. You know, most of them were, were taking one-year deals. This is That's what it is. Um, and they don't know how these two are going to work out together. What if it's like, um, you know, an Eckler-Melvin Gordon pairing in L.A. and they – look decent, but they don't have a full season together. Let them have a year together, see how they are, and then kind of decide what the market is for Philip Lindsay. But what they can do in the interim is give them a bump in pay for this season, right? And next year they have the second round tender that could, you know, essentially buy that out. Um, Not get rid of them, buy it out, but you know what I mean? Bump his pay up. That would be the smart thing to do. I mean, you, you appease him, you keep him happy, you keep the locker room happy, but you don't tie yourself to anything beyond, you know, this year or next year, really. Um, because you don't know, you know, what kind of player he's going to be in this system. You don't know what kind of player he's going to be with Melvin Gordon, how or, or what Melvin Gordon is going to be like, mm-hmm. if he can stay healthy, if he can produce. So to me, it would not make sense to give um, Philip Lindsay a longer term deal. It would, however, make sense to give him you know, a little bit more money. And, and they have the means. We're talking pennies compared to what they're paying right, other players right. here. And that might come maybe after the draft because the Broncos will have a better mm-hmm. feel on how many guys they actually end up drafting, how they how they slot those guys right. and where those guys go, and then how much money they have left over to, to chip off to Phillip Lindsay. I, I kind of feel like that's where we're headed here, right? Is like they're mm-hmm. gonna they're yeah. gonna eventually do the right thing. It's not gonna blow anybody away, but when you're yeah. talking about the difference of a guy who's not making a million dollars to bumping him up a little bit, you can probably find that in your cap space. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and I, I agree. I think they will. Um, you know, it's it's never done on when you know fans want it and when they demand it. That's just the way it is, and. I think the Broncos would be smart to wait and kind of figure out their full um, roster going into what would be OTAs um, before they do anything like that. Um, so we'll see. But and they they still have so many other holes to fill. I mean, it's you know it, it's not just Philip Lindsay. Yeah, he would like a little bit more money, and he probably deserves it. There are a lot of people like that, but they have a you know, a lot of major issues still on this roster, though on paper it looks to be, you know, an upgrade over last year's. That doesn't say much. 
That's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's true. That's true. <laughs> but but I do think, I mean, like they added pieces. I was kind of surprised at their free agency. I thought, you know, free agency, I'm including the two trades on the defensive side. Um, I mean, to me, I again, this is all on paper. Who knows how that's going to pan out if, you know, their offensive lineman is going to somehow play only 63 snaps. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> Joan James. <laughs> um, mm, um but on paper, it looks good. To me, this is probably their best free agency since 2014. Now, granted, everyone in between has sucked. Um, so, yeah, the bar is set pretty low. But they they filled a lot of their major holes um, with players that I think were upgrades over the players that were there previously. Like, Yeah, I agree. And, and when we had a chance to talk to John Elway and Vic Fangio earlier this week, I mean, it kind of feels like they feel the same way, right? Mm-hmm. Like a, a team's never going to come out and say after free agency, well, we really dropped the ball and wish we would have added a couple more good players. Mm-hmm. But, but I think that they honestly feel like they got better Mm-hmm. This free agency period than than they have certainly in the past free agency periods and certainly than they did um, than they did over last year and so I think that they feel good about kind of where they are heading into the draft. Speaking of the draft, it's obviously going to look a little bit different this year than it has in past years because of uh, everything that's going on with with the coronavirus and so this is going to present them a, a challenge as it is all teams in terms of. Mm-hmm how they go about talking to players and and how they really evaluate guys. Look, you can have all the Zoom chats that you want. You can talk on FaceTime all you want. It's a lot different to do that than to have a guy in your building really get a feel for who that guy is, especially when you're inv- about to invest a fair amount of money into these guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at just last year, um, you know, Mike Munchak has said repeatedly that, you know, he he was sold on Dalton Reisner after their visit. He was a great player. He was highly touted before then. Um, but it was meeting him, you know, getting to know his personality, his demeanor, kind of his competitive streak that he really thought he could be a good fit. And, you know, vice versa, you know, Dalton and, and the you know, his view of the Broncos. And you look at a guy like Juwan Winfrey, who was injured in you know, for much of his college career, um, so he doesn't have a ton of tape, but it was that local pro day with the Broncos where he, you know, had a strong connection with Zach Azani, and it was Azani who really pushed for them to draft him, and not only draft him but trade up a full round to get him in the six. Like you probably won't see guys like that this year, or, or guys that are you know found in the late latter rounds that you know you, you might have never heard of, but you know, a scout really did his homework and thought he could be a great addition and turns out to be a good player. I mean, the Broncos have found a lot of great players in the latter rounds from, you know, Danny Trevathan and and Julius Thomas technically was, you know, a later pick. I mean, Matt Paradis, you may not have those guys. And a lot of these guys had their pro days canceled Mm -hmm. too. So they may not get that one look they've been, um, they've been banking on for this entire offseason. Well, and, and not only the guys who they draft late in the rounds, but I mean, how many times have we looked at the stat in the Broncos game notes about their undrafted free agents, you know, and how yeah. John Elway always finds one yeah. guy who's an undrafted free agent who ends up making the team. And so I think there could be an impact there too. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, this could link, this will affect next year's draft. Um, probably just as much because scouts aren't on the road. They're not already looking ahead to 2021. This is a time where a lot of the scouts get their spring grades. They're not getting those. Um, So this will have tremendous ripple effects. And, you know, it's 
the logistics of the actual draft and communicating there are, in my mind, probably the easiest of all of these challenges because it's just finding the right technology and making sure, you know, it all works and everybody's on the same page. But it's the process beforehand. And this is why I don't agree with the NFL um, moving forward with the draft at this time. I mean, since it's remote at this point, since it's just a studio production, they could have it at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a while before the other leagues start up. So they have a complete monopoly over, <laughs> over, you know, TV programming there, but maybe it would, you know, give their team's personnel departments a little bit more time to get the information they're missing currently on a lot of these players and give a lot of those players who, um, you know, lost their chances to get looks in front of scouts, a chance to regain them. I'm surprised. Actually, I'm, I'm not surprised. But it was interesting in the note that Roger Goodell sent to teams about how he basically said, do not come out and talk about how we're still yeah. holding the draft. I mean, it was yeah. basically an edict with an iron fist saying, don't you dare talk bad about the shield or we're going to come rain down holy yeah. hell on you for speaking ill of how we're still holding the draft during this pandemic. And you heard Adam Schefter on ESPN the other day, you know, I mean, he makes a really good point and who knows yeah. where we're going to be as a country from a PR perspective come April 23rd when they're supposed to be having the draft. Forget about the visits and how it would benefit the teams i have to think that the teams are pushing like hey man can we just push this back and the nfl is going to look really bad if this thing continues to get worse and still still has its draft it's nice from a normalcy perspective but i think they're going to look really really bad if if this if the coronavirus numbers continue to get bad and and continue yeah. to get worse and they continue to go on with their draft not only from the implications of the game aspect and and making sure you get the right guys but the PR aspect again is is going to look pretty pretty brutal oh oh yeah i mean we're in the middle of a global crisis and we're talking about you know why we need to have an NFL draft really I mean, unemployment rates are skyrocketing. People are dying. People are getting sick at tremendous rates. And really, um, I, I think it's a, you know, when they talk about we expect the, the league to start on time, you know, that, you know, they, they could have the greatest intentions. But I have trouble picturing um, 70,000 people in the stadium in mm-hmm. Denver right now. I mean, to me, that just that just seems like. How many lawsuits waiting to happen? Yeah. You know, one yeah. person gets sick and spreads again like wildfire. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's ridiculous, honestly. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think at, on the flip side, yes, it does provide some sort of um, entertainment and distraction from all of this for a lot of people who are, you know, for everybody who should be cooped up at home. So, you know, there's. There's a positive side, sure, but I just think this is just not going to work out well. The good news, the good news for the Broncos would be that if if they did play and if they did face lawsuits, their legal team is used is used to lawsuits, so they would know exactly what to that do. Is correct. <laughs> they know how that to is handle correct. that, that uh, is for correct. better, for better, or for worse. Okay, so so let's let's get uh, kind of real here. I mean, if the draft were to go on as is planned on April 23rd, where do you expect the Broncos to go and, and what needs do they still have? Mm-hmm. I think obviously the one that stands out is is wide receiver. 
And I think that's yep. where everybody feels like they're going to go. Nikki, I'm not sold that they don't need another offensive lineman. I think they do. And, and I still wonder about what they're going to do at center. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they need an interior lineman. I think they need a tackle. Um, I, I kind of go back and forth on this. I mean, every time they ask me about it on radio, I, I kind of give a different answer and people must think I'm crazy or just changing my answer to fit the narrative. But I really do go back and forth every day of, you know, yeah, a receiver here would make sense. Hen- Henry Ruggs absolutely would upgrade the offense. I don't know that Henry Ruggs is going to still be available at 15 at this point. But, you know, given the depth of that receiving group um, in this year's class, I kind of would prefer them take a tackle or even, you know, an interior lineman in the first round. Um, probably a tackle more so just because of their value. And, you know, that's going to become a very pressing need Um Coming up, you mm-hmm. know, it's if if they keep Garrett Bowles his final year, his salary's guaranteed, so they they they're gonna have to pay it no matter what. Or if they're gonna have that big hole there next year when they decline his fifth year option. So, I mean, if they wait till the very last minute, they're gonna be in the same predicament they were when they drafted him. I mm-hmm. mean, that was a reach. So you don't want to get to that point. And I think with scouts off the road, it's very hard to project what that group is gonna look like next year. So. I kind of would like to see an offensive lineman um, in the first round. It's not as, you know, a a sexy pick like, you know, getting a really flashy receiver or something like that. But given the depth there, I I think they could get a really quality receiver who could be, you know, start immediately and be a, you know, a a good number two and would be a first round pick in any other years. um, But just do it in the second round. So. And if you can get a guy, if you can get a guy on the offensive line who's going to come in and be an immediate starter, and maybe a guy who can come in and be an immediate, not only an immediate starter but a starter for years to come, Mm -hmm. then then I think you seriously have to consider that. Given the issues, given where you are as an organization, and given the depth of the wide receiver class, right? I mean, and, and there will be, you know, yes. The first round talents are first round talents for a reason, but there will be guys that you can get to to play that number two, right? And so, it, if you can get an offensive lineman there, you're more likely to get a wide receiver later or off the street or have Deshaun Hamilton step up than you are to have somebody who's currently on your staff at, or on your roster as an offensive lineman step up and all of a sudden decide that he can play 16 games a right, season. Right, And you think about the cost of signing a, a tackle in free agency. It's exorbitant anymore. And you just don't find the top talent. The, good, the best players never hit the open market, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I mean, that's just, that's not the best option in my mind. Um, and you want to have a core that can stay together for, you know, two, three years, if not more. And right now they have it and Dalton Reisner and Graham Glasgow and, um, Juwan James, if he can stay healthy, um, you know, if they figure out their center position and, you know, get a strong left tackle, that could be, you know, a, a solid line, probably one of their best offensive lines in, in decades, really. I mean, it's been just such a revolving cast of players that to finally have, this group solidified could be huge for that offense. Um, I think it's interesting though, you know, just to make life more difficult and making a decision, you know, some, some analysts think they might choose a linebacker and I'm like, well, if they passed on Devin Bush last year, would they take one this year? But, you know, you look at guys like Patrick queen, Kenneth Murray. um, This is assuming Isaiah Simmons goes in the top five, obviously. Um, 
would they consider it? Or, or are those needs on offense, the line receiver, too great to even entertain that idea of drafting a linebacker? To me, to me, they they are. You know, like I think that I think that they need help at the linebacker spot too. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of it's like what we're getting at here is that the Broncos still have a lot of needs and they yeah. still have a lot of holes to fill mm-hmm. and a lot of places where they can get better. Um, I I I'm with you. Like if they passed on Devin Bush last year mm-hmm. and they come in, then then I think people are going to be screaming, that's a reach. And, and it yeah. will certainly feel like that and may end up being that if you, because it seems like you're making up for your past sins of, of passing on Devin right. Bush um, in, in 2019. Yeah. I mean, they need a center. They need a left tackle. They need a receiver. They need help at inside linebacker. They probably need more depth at outside linebacker, more depth on the defensive line. Really need another corner, a cover corner that can play outside. Um, safety help. I mean, Kareem Jackson could be his last year. Um, who else? I don't know. I think that's all 22 positions, yeah. right? I think they got the, <laughs> they got enough running backs, right? I think they're good there. <laughs> Thank goodness for yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> who knows? We could hey, be talking I, about a quarterback next year. Gosh, right. Don't. Exactly. No, I didn't Ellen, mean to yeah, say that. Trade up. <laughs> Sorry, Drew Locke. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. This town would come unglued. I would love it. I would come unglued. You think I'm crazy now? Like, can you, if I have to go through another quarterback search? Mm -mm. Hey, uh, on a lighter note, everybody's uh, binging things. And I know you're busy, like, working on real stuff, Um, Mm -hmm. including a seven round mock draft. Did I see that? And that's coming soon? Yeah. It's it's in the works. We're working on it. Okay. That's All right. All harder right. than it looks, but yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't envy you. Yeah. I don't envy you in that regard. Do you want to do it for me? I mean. No, I think I'm good. Actually, okay. I'll pass. Oh, I'll pass. Okay. All right. Just want to yeah. check. Thank you, though. I appreciate you that. You bet. Offer. Just looking out. Uh, you watching Tiger King? I have not watched any of that. I have no oh, idea what Tiger King or Ozark are. I, um, yeah, I'm pretty lame. I thought you knew this by now. <laughs> I was giving you the benefit of the doubt. Honestly, I only turn on Tiger King because I have FOMO and like everybody else was watching it. So I felt like, okay, I have to watch it too. Like I, I basically succumbed to peer pressure when it came to Tiger King. I just saw that OJ Simpson clip on Twitter yesterday um, talking about how he, he's convinced the husband um, killed the wife and that was The wife killed the me. husband. Oh, the wife killed the husband. Is that what it was? Yeah. I don't know. It was just O.J. Simpson talking about murder and that irony. Was that's rich. Much. Yeah. 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 That's really rich coming from O.J. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. No, the, the, the theory is that the wife killed the husband and fed him to, the, to her tigers. That's, that's a little – that's grisly. That's gross. It's, you got to watch it. We're going to get you – we're going to get you watching. By the time the season starts, you will Isn't have – there like any, anything lighter out there? Like, you know, less death? What, no. what, okay. All right, no. then. Tiger King it is. <laughs> Tiger King. Give us your thoughts on Twitter uh, about Tiger King. Love hearing from you guys. Uh, Shelby Harris, by the way, I tweeted out. I had a Zoom chat with him. He definitely thinks that Carol Baskin killed her husband and fed him to the Tigers. So mm. give us your thoughts on that. We need yeah. to have Shelby back on. That'd be great. We That'd should do great. it. He's bored. He's got nothing to do. He's trying to figure out common core math with his daughter and uh, said that it's not going well mm. right now. Yeah. Oh. That sounds hard. 
Um, yeah. All right. Perks of not having kids. So, <laughs> all right. That's going to do it for this edition of Mile High Magic for all of us here at The Athletic. I'm Michael Spencer. Thanks so much for logging on. For my partner, Nikki Javala and Danielle, our producer, we appreciate you guys uh, clicking in. And, of course, we'll be back with you as we uh, keep tabs on the latest heading up to the NFL Draft.